We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.team, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we're going to talk about some news. The NFL is appealing the six-game suspension that was handed down for Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about what that means for the 49ers. And then a camp standout and what it means for San Francisco this season. Let's dive in. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. John Watson's story, Chris, took a interesting turn Wednesday when it was announced that the NFL will appeal the six-game suspension handed down by Judge Susan Robinson, the independent arbitrator that was appointed by the NFL. She handed down a six-game suspension, and the NFL is now appealing that. They'll seek a indefinite suspension of at least a year, and Roger Goodell either gets to appoint somebody to appeal this or he can do it himself which seems pretty wild but this you think that this has a pretty significant impact on on Jimmy Garoppolo's standing in San Francisco yeah I, I think the when all the dust settles and presuming that this suspension is going to be longer than six games that Cleveland is going to try to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what the Niners are holding out for. And I think that's kind of what, like, I think the parties involved kind of know that that's the most likely outcome right now, but you know, everybody's kind of in a holding pattern to wait because the Browns aren't going to trade for Jimmy until they have um, clarity on what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So like, we don't know how long this is going to take, right? Like the NFL, like, so Roger Goodell could appeal. He could, I, for my understanding, it feels like Roger Goodell could just overrule this whole thing 
because like he could appoint himself or he could appoint somebody else. It just seems like he has a lot of control here. Right. Um, Which is, it, it, I, it's crazy that that's how it got put into the CBA. They didn't want him to just have like the unilateral ability to just suspend whoever for however long. So they put this arbitration process in place, but made it so when that plays out, he can then just unilaterally suspend whoever for however long he wants. Yeah, I it's I, I don't want to get too much into this because I think people, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a particularly interesting subject unless you're really invested in exactly what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. But I wanted to bring it up just because I think I think that, you know, like I said, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up going there and the timing is just going to depend on when the timing comes down or when when Watson's suspension comes down and whether or not it's eight games, 10 games, 12 games or, or a whole season. Um, so I, I just think that's that's important to, to point out. And I also wonder, too, you know, if and when Jimmy Garoppolo is just going to say, all right, enough, just release me. And like what the 49ers are, are going to do in that instance. Right. Are they going to hold on to Jimmy and just say, nope, we're holding on and we don't really care about your request like we're just going to hold on and because we really want this you know conditional day three draft pick whenever (laughs) it comes which would be a pretty wild departure from the we're going to do what's best for jimmy we're super glad he's healthy etc etc putting on this face of like this is a really amicable relationship it would be wild if after all that they were like no no no, we're not releasing you like you're in purgatory until we decide and if he gets if he gets released i'm really looking at pittsburgh like I think the Steelers, oh, interesting. it would be a total Steelers move to come in and swipe Jimmy Garoppolo without having to give up anything aside from money because I am not a Mitch Trubisky guy. What? Um, I'm, I'm not a Mason Rudolph guy. And Dude, I just think Pittsburgh watch more tape. <laughs> I've watched enough, um, <laughs> but I think Pittsburgh could win with Jimmy Garoppolo in very much the same way the 49ers have won with Jimmy Garoppolo and that they have a really good roster, a really good defense and don't need the court, the quarterback to carry a whole lot of water there. Um, Cause like, I mean, you mentioned the, the stat I'll let you say it, but like, it doesn't sound like Mitch Trubisky's having a great camp. And I saw today that Mason Rudolph was even getting some first team reps at camp. And like, that's that's the wild thing that that's not a great sign for Mitch. Right. And whatever Mike Tomlin is a incredible NFL coach. So he's going to do his thing and, and you, you trust him if you're a Steelers fan. But when he said that Mason Rudolph had as good of a chance to start, I, I believe I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically Mason Rudolph has as good of a chance to start as anybody. That's bad. And the Steelers make sense because they made sense pre-surgery for Garoppolo. Well, and then, them... they signed, and then they signed Mason Rudolph, and or not Mason Rudolph, but Mitchell Trubisky, and it, it felt like that was just kind of over. Right. The, the logic for them signing Trubisky would have been the same had they made a move for Garoppolo in the spring. Yes. Only right? like, Garoppolo is a better quarterback. Yeah, Garoppolo is better. He was just injured, injured at the time. So it's, you know, they need a stopgap. They have a roster that's capable of contending. And I think 
that roster is good enough to where if you get Jimmy Garoppolo in there, they could be essentially what the 49ers have been in two of the last three years is like a team very capable of going on a playoff run, probably without a top 12 quarterback, but a roster that's good enough, right? You look at their skill guys, Mm -hmm. you look at their defense, um, you look at the organizational stability, the foundation they have in place, all of those things. Like that's very similar to um, the Steelers and and 49ers, I feel like are on very similar paths just in terms of where they are Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, where they're at in their organization. So yeah, if Jimmy hits the free agent market, Pittsburgh would be fascinating. Of all the, here's, here's the teams that make sense to me. And I, Cleveland, obviously, and that's that's why we think that that's what the Niners are kind of waiting on. Yeah. But if they just released him tomorrow and he was on the free agent market, the teams that really make sense, Pittsburgh, I think still makes sense, even though, yeah, they, they have three quarterbacks, but one of them is Mason Rudolph, who probably isn't a player you want ever playing in the NFL. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky, who was a backup last year and probably not a reliable starter. And Kenny Pickett, who was the first quarterback taken in one of the worst draft classes for quarterbacks in like a decade. So those are their options. Garoppolo makes a lot of sense if you're Pittsburgh, especially now that they've gotten a look at their three quarterbacks in camp. And Trubisky in this drill, I I saw this today, Trubisky in this drill where it's offense versus defense from the defense's two-yard line. Trubisky is 0 for 16 in that drill. Hasn't punched it in once. Doesn't feel feel hard to do. That's hard to do. So they make sense. So they make sense. I think the Lions probably make sense. If they are as good as smart NFL people seem to think they're going to be, why would they not? If they're they're like an 8 and 9-ish team right now, why would they not upgrade over Jared Goff? Because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely an upgrade over Jared Goff. Why would you not make that upgrade, try to get to 10 and 7 and make a playoff run? Detroit's a, that 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 makes a lot more sense to me than like the Giants. And I know the NFC East isn't great shakes, and you can say that Garoppolo is better than Daniel Jones and gives him a better chance to win that division, but I don't know if I buy that. At least the Giants being contenders in that division, I mean. The Lions are paying Jared Goff $31 million this year. Um, and then $30, $31 million the next two years, but none of that's guaranteed, so they could basically move off of him. Yeah, I, I think it would make sense. I don't know that they're like... I don't know what they're trying to do, right? Are they trying it's to compete right now? Like <laughs> if they're trying to compete right now and be that team that goes from worst to first in the NFC, which frankly, like this is an aside, but looking at the NFC, I was thinking about this earlier today. Like there's always a team that kind of comes out from out of nowhere. That's like, Oh, this team was really bad the last few years. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they're like a wild card team. Like, you look around and there isn't an obvious candidate, which makes me feel like it could just be the most random team. And maybe Detroit's that team. Right. And it, and again, this comes down to seeing what you have in camp. And like it's a lot of smart football people really high on the lines think they'll be that worst to first team. If you can upgrade under center, if you've looked at your roster and you've looked at the players and you go, wow, there's a better quarterback out there for us. And we think we can make a run at this division because what are the Packers going to look like without Devontae Adams? 
That's a significant question mark. I think they'll still pre- be pretty good, but are they going to win 13 games again? So I just I I if I'm if I'm listing teams, I think the Lions are one of the one of the two or three betting favorites. That wouldn't surprise me either. Because there's just not a lot of contenders that have that that need an upgrade at quarterback or playoff contenders at least. Yeah. Pittsburgh and Detroit could be could be two of them. Houston? I don't know. Do you see what Greg Cosell said? What did he say? He said that after watching all of Davis Mills' tape that he thinks Davis Mills is better than Garoppolo. Flat out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Like, Davis Mills was like one of the i think he was a four or five star guy coming coming out of high school yeah he's just hurt a lot and a lot of people believe had he not gotten hurt he might have been a top 10 draft pick so that's not i don't think that's crazy right but if they're if they're committed to him right but if they're commit i i just yeah i just in talking to john mcclain or hearing john mcclain talk it sounds like they are very committed to the davis mills thing sure one take i do have that I feel pretty good about if the dolphins don't love Tua this year and they decide to move on mm. after the season, that is, that is a prime Jimmy Garoppolo landing spot in 2023. Could that if be my, a prime Jimmy Garoppolo landing spot this year? Maybe. I don't know. They're, they seem they to have be to selling, give Tua a shot. Yeah. They, they seem to be selling to a pretty right, hard, but right. anyway, there are going that like what, what's interesting about this is like, because of Garoppolo's surgery and because of the way the market unfolded in the spring with, you know, Denver getting Russell Wilson and Indianapolis getting Matt Ryan and Marcus Mariota going to Atlanta and Baker Mayfield going to Carolina and Mitch Trubisky going to Pittsburgh. It's like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think one of the reasons why Jimmy Garoppolo appears so at ease at 49ers practice is just like, yeah, I might not have a surefire starting job this year. I mean, I'll, I'll probably start in Cleveland and I'll probably have to sign a new contract or whatever. But like if Jimmy Garoppolo hits the open market next year and he's healthy, there will be no shortage of suitors. I don't think. Yeah. Like he's going to get, he's going to get cashed out next year. I think. He's kind of, he's kind of like the perfect bridge quarterback in like, he's better than most bridge quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But you're still not like you're not going to sign him to a five year contract. But if Jimmy Garoppolo next year got two years and forty five million dollars, like would you be stunned? No, not at all. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So like he's uh, he's already made over a hundred million bucks from the 49ers. So I think he's he's fine, and I think he's he's just kind of a cool customer just in general. Like he's not getting too stressed about this stuff because he knows. Like he just saw what happened to Mitch Trubisky. All Mitch Trubisky had to do was be a backup in Buffalo. And then he got a contract from Pittsburgh, making him the favorite to be the starter there, even though ironically, Jimmy might end up displacing him. <laughs> but like, I just think that they're going, it, it's a very weird confluence of factors that all played into Jimmy Garoppolo being like one of the 15 to 20 best quarterbacks in the NFL, not being able to get a job this summer, but next off season, like he'll probably have offers from like three or four teams. Yeah. Cause like you look around, you know, are we sure Baker's going to stick in Carolina long-term? Nope. Are we sure that you Baker's know, done the last year of his deal too? Right. Are we sure that Atlanta feels great? 
about Desmond Ritter long-term and Marcus Mariota? Like, are we sure Matt Ryan's going to be in Indianapolis for a long time? Mm-hmm. Like, there are going to be a lot of teams in the quarterback market next year. And yeah, a lot of teams are going to be drafting guys, but the teams that don't, who aren't going to be picking in the top five or top ten, where they could get C.J. Stroud or... Um, Bryce Young. Bryce Young, thank you. Uh, like, Big Jimmy Garoppolo's a guys. guy. Jimmy Garoppolo's a guy you can go get. And like, because so many teams run a version of Kyle Shanahan's offense now, like he could be a pretty good fit in a lot of places, including Miami. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a dude? No. I think he's on the, he is the cutoff. I think he stands on the precipice of dude. Because he's had games where like, oh, that was a dude like traits. That game against Pittsburgh in 2019 was a dude game. He got his ass whooped that entire game. And they turned it over five times and still won. Yeah. Yeah. He still threw the game winning touchdown to Dante Pettis, which is nuts. Not a dude. Dante, Dante Pettis, not a dude. Um, no, I see. I think you got to be like one of the best guys at your position. In, no, in the I, I agree, dude. I agree. Jimmy's a dog. He's got that dog in him. Probably. Jimmy's got that dog in him for sure. <laughs> he's not him. I don't even think he's nice, but he's a dog. Um, can we talk about another another dog who's who's going to play for the 49ers this year? Man, can we? It's a great transition by you. I'll let you take it. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Ayuk picking a fight with Fred Warner twice. Twice at practice. I was not there, but I've 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 asked around. I've I've done all the reading. Um you know, it seems to me like Brandon Ayuk was just kind of sick of the defense punking the offense and Fred Warner talking shit, which Fred Warner does a lot at practice in a way His... to in a way to like motivate, you know, like I I despise the cliche iron sharpens iron, but like that's what Fred Warner's trying to do. It was his stated goal to piss off Brandon Ayuk. Right. And so the defense has been punking the 49ers offense throughout training camp. Like, I think that's pretty fair to say. Fred Warner hits a receiver and then Brandon Ayuk's just had enough and then goes and tries to fight Fred Warner. Like, I just find that to be a very interesting step in the evolution of Brandon Ayuk. And it's going to be a bullet point if Ayuk turns into like a star on the team, which you know, you don't want to overreact to training camp, but like, you know, to hear Jimmy Ward say Brandon Ayuk's had a better camp than everybody else on the roster except Nick Bosa says a lot to me because yeah. there are a lot of blue chip dudes on the roster. Now, it's worth pointing out that Brandon Ayuk had a really strong start to camp last year, and I thought he would break out last year. And then, you know, he got hurt. Um, I think in the, in the third week in August and then, you know, was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, quote unquote, got off to the slow start to the season, but like to stand out on that field when there's so many really good players, I think means a lot, right? So if Brandon Ayuk takes the step that Debo Samuel took last year, it's certainly going to look a lot different. It's going to be a lot more like deep throws downfield. It's going to be a lot more contested catches and traffic, probably not like the jet sweeps and pop passes and bubble screens and running plays that Debo Samuel excelled in last year. Mm -hmm. But like, there's a real possibility that Brandon IU turns into like 
turns into a dude. And <laughs> if if that happens, like you you and I are both already bullish on the 49ers offense just from like their skill position guys, potentially that group could be the best in the league. Right? Yeah, there's a I definitely have my reservations just because Trey Lance is such a significant question mark. Right, but like outside of Trey Lance, like Elijah there's, Mitchell, George right, there's, Kittle, Debo there's Samuel. A, there's a world where they have like four or five skill guys going to the Pro Bowl and they score 30 plus a game. Yeah. Like that, I, I wouldn't bet on it, but if you told me that that happened, it not not a huge surprise. But if Brandon Ayuk makes a leap, like it looks like he's capable of making and becomes a Pro Bowl type player or like a 1200 yard guy and a guy who just compliments everyone else really well and does things that, you know, Debo Samuel and George Kittle don't necessarily do just from mm-hmm. a pure, pure skill set standpoint. I mean, that could be really, really big for the 49ers. So, you know, I- you, you don't want to overreact to training camp and obviously some of the blue chip guys don't stand out immediately at the start of training camp in the way Ayuk has because they're ramping up and their reps are so limited. But this is an important step for Ayuk. And if he continues it and becomes a focal point of the offense in, in a similar way that we've seen Kittle and, and Debo become in recent seasons, like that's a very that's a very big development for the 49ers, I would say, given what's already in place and given they have a first year starting quarterback. Well, and if the fact that so one of the big things that's come out of camp the last couple of days is Brandon Ayuk making these highlight catches. People tweeting about it. There's video of him. He just the the key there is less about highlight catches in camp and what he's doing in camp. But it's the level of trust that Trey Lance has in him to just put the ball on him and let him make a play. That's such a significant, such a significant step for a quarterback and a receiver to take. Like not to compare these two. This is not, it is in the, Hmm. I don't, I'm not comparing the Niners guys to these two players, but Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, what made those two guys special was Rodgers trust in Adams to go catch the ball. He's going to throw it in his vicinity and Adam's going to catch it. And I think for a first time starting quarterback, if Brandon Ayuk is going to take that, that kind of step and be a player that Lance on third and 11 is like, Hey, he's going to find Brandon. Ayuk. Yeah. It's not Debo Samuel, but it's still a very skilled, very good receiver who can impact the game at all three levels that Lance trusts and can go to any time. And Ayuk is clearly talented enough that he's going to make a play on the ball. And that's where that's where Ayuk's big camp has been significant to me. Because it's pretty clear that there's a good rapport there. And a first-time starting quarterback having a good rapport with a very talented former first-round pick at receiver... That's that's the recipe for a for a very very big year for at least one of them. Yeah. So what like what's what's the best offense that Kyle Shanahan's orchestrated as a coach? Right. It's probably the 2016 Falcons. Yeah. I don't. Is it even close? 
No. L- listen to these skill guys. All right. So you had Julio Jones, right? Good player. Pretty good player. 83 catches, uh, 1,400 yards. He only Go has six, look at- six touchdowns. Kind of crazy. It The Julio can't score touchdowns thing is one of my favorite internet things. <laughs> okay. There was one of his years he had like two touchdowns with like 1,700 yards or something. Nice. <laughs> okay. So Julio Jones, 83 catches, 1,400 yards. Next up, Mohamed Sanu, 653 yards. Um, Devontae Freeman caught a lot of 49ers legend, Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, Devontae Freeman had 40 or 54 receptions for 462 yards. That's um, what Jerick McKinnon was supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, Taylor Gabriel, number three receiver, 35 catches. Point here is like you just look at this Niners. It's not a loaded group. Group. Yeah, this 49ers group of skill position players versus that Falcons group and these skill guys are way more talented and deeper the difference obviously is you had Matt Ryan a veteran quarterback at the peak of his powers who was MVP that year okay okay but but I think what Kyle Shanahan like the point here is that the ceiling with this offense could potentially be really high if Trey Lance doesn't screw it up just because Kyle Shanahan is going to find, he should be able to find open guys on every play. Like he should be able to scheme guys open on every play. If you have an all pro in Debo an all pro in Kittle. And if Brandon Ayuk becomes a player that could potentially get to that level, right? Like, right. cause you had Julio on that team. And I guess you can make the case that Devonte Freeman given that he had what 1500 all purpose yards that year like Jesus they had two guys right i don't think i realized how good he was that year yeah he had 1500 yards and 13 touchdowns um tevin coleman had 11 touchdowns that year 941 yeah, all purpose yards tico raw <laughs> big year for him um but if you just want to talk about Kyle Shanahan and his ability to maximize what he has like this might be the best skill group he's ever had. If Brandon Ayuk yeah. takes the leap that it looks like he's taking in early in training camp. And I don't want to like be too reactionary because again, we saw it last year, like he got off to a nice start to training camp and it didn't turn out. It didn't lead over to the regular season, but like, I just think the mindset's different. And I think you make a really good point about just the trust that Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk seem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ayuk just does different things than Debo does, right? Like Debo yeah, two Samuel, very different receivers. Two, they, and they complement each other very well. Like Debo's the guy you hit in stride on a slant and get him going, and you can do all the things that you can just – you can scheme 20 yards for Debo almost whenever you want, right? Mm-hmm. Based on, you know, if you get the right look, you can do a bubble screen. And George Kittle is going to be a problem in the middle of the field. Like just the way these guys could potentially complement each other and the way Kyle Shanahan could could use that against defenses to create mismatches anywhere on the field, it seems like that could potentially be really lethal, even with a rookie quarterback. So like Brandon, I potentially taking that step. That's that's why I think it could mean a lot, because if he does, then you're giving Kyle Shanahan the best group of skill skill guys he's ever had. Yeah, even though it looks very different than like he doesn't have a Julio Jones at the peak of his powers because like that's a Hall of Famer, 
but like the collection of this group and its potential versus what he had in 2016, I think is comparable based on just pure talent and like how that, how those guys complement each other from a skill skill set perspective. If you're drafting players from these teams, skill position guys, it's Julio one and then probably like three or four 49ers before you get to Devonte Freeman. Yes. That's a good way to put it. So I'm, I'm with you. It's the IU leap that it looks like he's on track to take, but he has to take it. Debo Samuel and Trey Lance need to get on the same page. There were some reports from camp today that I saw that, that there was at least one miscommunication and possibly two between them. So they just got to get on the same page and that's fine. Samuel's just getting back to practice and they got to figure out the offensive line, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But the other the other aspect of this that that I don't want to say has gotten lost, but I, I I think is because we need to see Trey Lance develop some. This hasn't hasn't gotten talked about enough yet. But Trey Lance is kind of by a wide margin the most like physically gifted quarterback Kyle Shanahan's ever had. And I think Matt Ryan's good. I, I don't want the I don't want to act like I'm clowning Matt Ryan because I'm not. But from a size, athleticism, arm strength standpoint, like Trey Lance is just a little bit different. Yeah. And when you talk about maximizing guys' skill sets, like Matt Ryan's had a nice career without Kyle Shanahan, but with Kyle Shanahan, he went to this like new level. And I just, I, I wonder if Kyle Shanahan is about maximizing skill sets of quarterbacks. And then you think about like, that's why they drafted Lance. And I think that because we still have to see whether he's good or not, I feel like that just hasn't quite gotten gotten pushed to the forefront of the conversation about the 49ers offense. Like, yeah, we need to see if Lance is good and all that. But like, if he is, the ceiling for this offense is, is bananas. 
it's so high. Because you look at what Matt Ryan did in 2016, and he was phenomenal. But if Lance can get to get to that get to that level, if he develops and and turns into a good quarterback, it's it's crazy to think about how good this offense has the potential to be. Yeah, long term, I I agree with you. I I'm this year right that I, I I'm it's lowering gonna the look... ceiling for this year. It's going to, I have a feeling it's going to be a training wheels offense, but it's still going to be a really good training wheels offense because it's going to be like, oh, you, you can throw a bubble screen to Debo Samuel whenever you want. Yeah. Right. You can run flow to George Kittle. You love love flow. (laughs) You can run flow to George Kittle basically whenever you want, because, you know, guys are the team's defenses are going to sell out for those outside zone runs. Right. Like you. Mm -hmm. You have so many options. You can run play action and potentially hit Brandon IU deep down, you, you know, deep down one of the sidelines, right? Like they're the, you can just thinking about the way Kyle Shanahan orchestrates an offense. It's the reason why, and I said it in the last pod, like it's the reason why I'm not overly concerned about Trey Lance and training camp, right. not only because he's going against like the best, one of the best defenses in the league, but because there isn't any sequencing to these plays in the same way that happen in game situations. Right. Well, so like and- what Kyle Shanahan is doing is constantly setting things up, you and know, trying like to see what his quarterbacks can and can't do. Right. Exactly. So like when you're, when you're doing a third down period, you're just running a bunch of third and eight plays consecutively, which right. have nothing to do with what you've done earlier in the possession, which happens in games, right? Kyle Shanahan will run a running play with, a certain personnel grouping and then have a certain formation and then run a completely different play with the same personnel grouping and the same formation later on in the game that catches the team off guard because it's expecting something else based on tendencies, right? Like these are all factors that aren't really a part of what happens in training camp, which is, you know, like if Kyle Shanahan were to play a game against this 49ers defense, like an actual game, Trey Lance is not completing three of nine passes. Yeah. Right? Well, like they're, they're, they're utilizing Kyle Shanahan's game planning, right? He's, he's actually utilizing a sequence of plays to keep everybody off balance, which isn't what happens in training camp when you're running, you know, five red zone plays in a row that have nothing to do with each other. Not, and just to add to that, because you make a great point. Shanahan has said he doesn't want his quarterbacks like checking down in camp. Like they're forcing throws that they're probably not going to make in the regular season because they're trying right. to see what they can and can't do. Yeah. So that's the other thing here is there's going to be little outlets and quick throws and dump offs that are there in the regular season that aren't necessarily there or not the play that Lance wants to make in camp. Yeah. In camp, it's not about, hey, just get yards. <laughs> it's like, hey, George Kittle's double covered. Can he fit this throw in? Right. Okay. Can't over one in practice, but mental note can't do that. And get like, yeah. Like Kittle's not getting a ton of reps in practice anyway. Yeah. If, if he comes out, the thing I'm watching for in like in preseason, especially is accuracy. Yeah. Accuracy is that, probably the biggest thing with Trey. Yeah, decision making. I, I honestly, I have no no questions about his. I think he's going to be very good at that. But 
when he steps up the Travis Benjamin, that the one that always comes up in my head is the, is the third of Travis Benjamin, his, his interception against Arizona where he steps through the pocket, probably should have run, but he tried to, he tried to throw it and just airmailed it. Like Benjamin was open. He just sailed it. So that's kind of when we, when we do get to watch him against another defense, that's what I'm going to be locked in on is when he is delivering it. Is it going to the right place? Yeah. I talked to Steve Young in about Trey like pretty extensively in Tahoe. Nick and I both did, and the story is going to come out eventually. Steve Young basically said like Trey Lance is in like Steve Young said if he were coming in the league right now, there's no other team he'd want to be on at this moment because of Kyle Shanahan and because of the supporting cast. And obviously, Steve Young, 49ers quarterback, Bay Area guy, now is probably a homer but also like i don't take when somebody as smart and as experienced right. as him says something like that like you know I, I i i probably value what steve young says particularly about quarterbacks maybe more than anybody else um and so one thing i mean he said a lot of interesting things that i'm gonna write about at some point um hopefully <laughs> soon <laughs> Uh, after 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 this podcast i'm going to uh to hunker down and get this thing finished but sure um, and he said this too like at matt mayoko's letters to 87 event like he thinks trey lance is an elite processor right like in terms of making decisions like that's trey lance's best attribute um but and you can you can be a good quarterback if you have th- that attribute the other thing you need to do is you need to be able to deliver the football quickly and accurately. And that's the question that Steve Young has about Trey Lance, because it's interesting. Like so many people talk about Trey Lance as having, Oh, he's got a big arm, right? But it's not just about having a big, strong arm and being able to make throws. It's about being able to have your feet positioned correctly, like have like release the ball quickly so, you know, you're not padding the ball and telegraphing where you're going to throw so the defenders can get a jump on it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot that goes into delivering the football accurately and on time, aside from just, you know, Trey Lance has a big arm. Right. So what Steve said was like, if you, you can get by by being an elite processor, if you're not an elite processor, you can get by by being, a, a you know, a, somebody who can deliver the football. Mm-hmm. But the elite guys are guys that can do both at, at a high level. Right. And it sounds elementary to say, but like when you spell it out like that, it's it's really interesting. So like the accuracy point that you make, I think is is right on because like I think like I think Kyle Shanahan is going to put Trey Lance in position on Sundays that he's not going to have to make 17 reads and have five, you know, five receivers split right. out and he's going to have to, you know, do call hot routes too often like I think it's all going to be relatively straightforward. And I think a lot of that is going to be because the 49ers are going to run the hell out of the ball. Kyle Shanahan's going to want to run 40 times a game. At least I, I, I already, I can envision the quotes, the post game quotes saying we wanted to run 45 times. That was, that was our goal all week when they have a game where they run for 250 yards, like, because right. that's going to happen at some point. Right. When you do that, you make things super easy on your quarterback, especially when you're able to run play action at a high level. And especially mm-hmm. when you have guys who can get open like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and potentially Brandon Ayuk, right? Mm-hmm. So like 
this is why I don't like Trey Lance is obviously super important, but I just don't think he's going to have to carry that much water this season. And, and, and this is why like I'm bullish on Trey Lance, no matter until, until he's stuck, like based on what I've seen at training camp and throughout the spring program, like, yeah, it's not great, but I will say like the best training camp I ever saw 49ers quarterback have was Brian Hoyer. Right. 2016. Right. Right. So like, I don't want to overreact to like what happens specifically on the practice field, what a guy's completion rate is, how many interceptions he's throwing. It's like, to me, Trey Lance is going against an elite defense. that's playing well. You obviously want him to play better, but if you were to pick like Trey Lance struggling against the 49ers defense or Trey Lance carving up the 49ers defense, I would be way more concerned if Trey Lance was able to carve up the 49ers defense at this point, because you're like, this team is built defensively. <laughs> and if yeah. your first year start, a first year quarterback is just carving them up. Like what's, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do. Right. And yeah. so like that, that's just my, where I'm coming from on it. I think, I think the concern is you're right. He's not going to be asked to carry a lot of water. Like the 49ers have outright said it. Shanahan said it. Players have said it, yeah. but like the little bit of water he does have to carry, he has to make sure to not drop it. Yeah. When Debo Samuel's wide open over the middle, he can't throw it way behind him. You know, when when Brandon Ayuk gets open down the field, you can't throw it out of bounds. Like the 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 open throws are going to be there, but it's not a hundred percent certainty that he's gonna be able to connect on them. And that's that to me is the is the real question mark. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think Trey Lance is going to be operating like an algebra one, algebra two level offense, mm-hmm. not like Peyton Manning, who operated like a calculus level offense. Sure. You know, that's that's the point I'm trying to make, I guess. Yeah. At least at least for now. Yeah. I think if it works out and he's he's good, then we'll we'll see something different. But yeah, I'm just really, really curious. to see, And I think a lot of people are really curious to see what what exactly because it's not gonna Shanahan said it's gonna largely be the same offense maybe with some more QB runs here and there and and a quarterback that that makes some plays out of structure but I'm really interested to see if it just to the layperson looks different that's I think is it is it noticeable how much more they're pushing the ball down the field or how much more Lance is pushing the ball down the field yeah, Brandon Ayuk said as much. He did yeah. a hit. He did a hit with NFL Network yesterday and said, "You know, we're going to push the ball downfield a lot more." And Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo threw downfield at one of the lowest rates in the league. So I think that's going to mm-hmm. be a big difference. I don't think like the play-in, play-out offense is going to look all that different. I think one thing that's going to look really different, which doesn't necessarily have to do with scheme, is just Trey's potential to be able to extend plays and make plays outside of structure like you mentioned mm-hmm. like when a play what that was one of i think the biggest knocks on jimmy garoppolo was that you know in key moments on third and seven if the play broke down and the defense had the right scheme for or the right coverage or whatever or the right look there wasn't much improv improv there wasn't much improvising there you go. <laughs> improvisation? Yeah, improvisation. That was the word I was struggling to uh, to spit out. But um, there wasn't much of that. And so Trey Lance theoretically could do that. 
Like mm-hmm. he does that in practice a lot. I don't know how good he is at that just yet, but like that backyard football, like the Russell Wilson stuff, um, that is, I think is a layer that the offense hasn't had that Trey could provide pretty quickly, like evading pass rush, scramble drill, finding guys in space if things break down because they didn't have any elements of that with Jimmy Garoppolo. I do think there is something to be said for the Niners posted the highlight of it. And actually Pat McAfee did a really funny bit about it, but it's Trey like rolling left and then off one foot across his body throws like back across the field and just throws a dime to Brandon. Ayuk. Traverius wards in coverage. Like he's there and the throw just over his hands to Ayuk. It was sick. And it's, it's the kind of play that I just don't think defenses no to it's it's like when it's like in baseball when an umpire has a bigger strike zone than normal and you're not swinging at strikes because it's like in my brain that's a ball (laughs) it's like defenders when a quarterback can make those kind of throws a defender is going hey he's rolling left in their brain this plays over because the their the ball does not come into their side of the field and i think there is something to be said for that with those off schedule plays and his and his arm strength i think there's going to be at a handful of times this year where the Niners get a chunk player, a long touchdown because somebody's just wide open. Like the Debo Samuel touchdown that Lance threw against the Seahawks where he's just yeah. opened on the sideline. There's a coverage bust. I think there's going to be a couple more plays that look like that this year on, on scrambles because um, his arm strength is going to allow him to make some throws that defenses just don't prepare for. Yeah, I agree. There's just, it's just an element that, it's the offense lacked. It's yeah. so fascinating. It's why, like that, ultimately, like the off-schedule stuff, on top of just being able to throw the ball downfield, the off-schedule stuff, I think, is is really one of the biggest reasons why the the offense has a higher ceiling with Trey Lance mm-hmm. than it did with Garoppolo. The other thing, can Lance throw the ball out of bounds? Jimmy Garoppolo is regularly like bottom of the league in throwaways. And all the quarterbacks at the top of the league in throwaways are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all the good quarterbacks. You got to get rid of the ball. I would say a substantial portion of Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions were like plays that went bad to start with. And you're like, don't throw it. Don't throw it. Don't throw it. And he threw it and it got picked. The, The interception against the Packers will stand out in my mind forever. Yeah. That was the ultimate like, oh, God, no. The end of the first half. Yes. In the playoff game. Just yeah. Backbreaker. Yeah. In the red zone. His one again, his one in the Super Bowl too. The 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 first one on the sideline. Might have been yeah. Traverius Ward. Yeah, he evaded a hit and then like he tried to throw it, it away and it yeah. didn't get to the sideline. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. something that, that Jimmy didn't do well. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We will I guess see. The, the the grand thesis from for me is like I understand reacting to trade to, to the offense not playing well against this defense in training camp, but like let's see regular season games before we get worried about Trey Lance and what the offense is gonna look like. Yeah. I just think Kyle Shanahan and these skill guys, like even with Nick Mullins at quarterback, I think Kyle Shan like if Nick Mullins were the quarterback with this group, I still think Kyle Shanahan could have a top ten offense. Wow. That's a take. It is a take. Are you reporting that? 
<laughs> Edits a take. Yes. I don't have anything else for today. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other camp developments. Um, Jordan Matthews tore his ACL. He's out for the year. That was kind of a bummer. No. I was very quietly rooting for him. I used a lot yeah, nice, to make the team, but nice dude, hard worker, has stuck around for a while. And just like changed positions yeah. on a whim in at, at like in the middle of his career to try and find yeah. his way out of the team. Is it sucks. I don't know yeah. if he was gonna make the team. Um the 49ers have typically kept three or four tight ends, and with Charlie Warner expected to come back at some point this month and be the clear number th- or at least one of the top three with Dwelly and, and Kittle. I just don't know if, you know, Fumugali or Tyler Croft was, you know, aren't better options as the fourth tight end than Matthews, but you know, it's a bummer for him. Don't sleep on Tyler Croft. Oh, I'm not. He's got good hands. Don't sleep. He's made some nice catches in camp and in the off season program. Spencer right. Spencer Burford, starting right now. Development of the offseason, Spencer Burford. Holy smokes. Fourth round pick out of UTSA has taken all the first team reps at right guard. Yeah. Daniel Brunskill getting no burn over there because he's in a battle with Jake Brendel at center, which is a different thing. I've I also do, I've also I heard wonder... about Aaron Banks. I think Banks is going to start. I would say, like, so the one thing, either Burford is just, like, the right guard, or they're... Chris Forrester has so much trust in Daniel Brunskill to be able to play right guard that Mm. he's just like, now we're going to work him at center, and Burford will play right guard in the meantime, and depending on how the center battle shakes out Brunskill could play right guard if he doesn't beat Jake Brendel for that spot that's one thing we don't know um this podcast is going to come out on Thursday I know assistant coaches are going to talk uh to the to reporters on on Thursday so maybe there will be some answers coming out um from Chris Forrester on that but I mean if a rookie fourth round pick can come in and win a starting spot at a position where the 49ers could have used upgrades. Like, I think that's, that's a good development potentially. That would be like, I, if like, if Spencer Burford steps in this year and is an average right guard, if he is Daniel Brunskill or a little better, that would be such a massive off season win. Like can't, can't quite describe how significant that would be for San Francisco. If they, fell into a starting right guard like that because it, that seems like one that might be a musical chairs type where every day it's a new player and they're just trying to figure out who their best five are but if banks is going to be fine and burford's going to be good and they just got to figure out center like that would be i don't want to say ideal because ideally you wouldn't have to be figuring out your center during camp but Ideally, you'd have all first-round picks like they pretty much did last year with the exception of Brunskill. Right. But, yeah. Shout-out to Spencer Burford. If you're, I will say, as much as we like talk about the interior of the offensive line, if your roster is going to be weak somewhere, that's probably what you'd pick. 
Yeah, yeah, bro. I'm yeah. I mean, if you were building, if if you were to pull GMs around the league and you say, all right, you could have a potentially elite roster, but just one area where you're not positive. I think most of them would say, yeah, interior offensive line. We could figure that out. Yeah, but I think there's a depth to that, to that level of badness. Like there's a limit. Oh, yeah, you need like right. You need you need to be at a certain level. Right. But I do think just purely by the numbers that the that the Niners have, they should be able to reach that level. On top of the fact that like if anybody can overcome having not great guard play, it's probably Kyle Shanahan. Right. And I think Kyle Shanahan thinks that too. Right. Like even if Colton McKivitz was a starting guard, would you be like sounding the alarm? I don't know. I'd have to see. I'd have to grind the film. I'd have to pop in that tape and check it out. Right. Yeah, I, I I think it's one of those the the Niners interior offensive line is one of those things that like maybe throughout big picture throughout the year doesn't get talked about a lot. But if they lose a playoff game, like it's that. It's like, man, they had a nice year, but they went into Philly and Fletcher Cox just dominated. That's that's where I could see it becoming a problem more than over the 17-week season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, got anything else? Are no? we concerned about Javon Kinlaw not practicing a ton? No. You're not concerned? No, so talking to Dr. Narav Pandya from the from UCSF Hospitals, he is on the radio show I produce at 95.7 The Game. Everyone's at 11.30. He basically said that when you have the type of surgery that Kinlaw had, like maintenance days are to be expected, and the team is going to want to make sure that knee is stable and good to go, and it's early in camp. So he said he's not worried about it. Okay. Now you make sense to ease him in. It does. No, it does. It was, you know, it, it's just it with Kinlaw. It just you you pay attention to you pay attention to it a little bit more when he's not practicing. Yeah. No, totally. Because like last year, you know, Kinlaw was telling everyone he's fine. He's not injured. He really pushed back on on all of the reporting when people were like, yeah, he, he had this knee issue and now he's got all these maintenance days and you know, the people are just paying attention to it. And then it ended up yeah. that his knee was never really healthy and he needed reconstructive ACL surgery. So I'm not saying it, I'm, I'm not like concerned because it does, it absolutely makes sense to ease him back in, particularly since he didn't participate in the off season program at all. Mm-hmm. But if we're in like, you know, week week one against the Bears and the practice report, report comes out on Wednesday and like Javon Kinlaw is limited with the knee. It's like, okay. Right. That that would be a concern for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm just, I'm paying attention to it. That's all. Yeah. If, it, if it's one of those, I will definitely keep an eye because they did the day off and then gave him the day off Sunday. They gave him Monday off. So you got the back-to-back days. Yeah. So if it if it turns into day off 
and then he gets a maintenance day. Oh, and then he's sitting out again. And then he's practicing, but not in team drills. And then it's a day. That's when it'll start. To yeah. Work. If he's like doing team drills like once a week, then it's like, all right, what's right. You know, is, that, this, that will, is this worse? That will be a red flag for me. Yeah. So. No red flags. yet. No red flags. Just something I'm paying attention to. And that's fair. Like he had reconstructive surgery on his ACL. Yeah. All right. You think he'd, he'd want to come large, on the pod? And, large human. Yeah. Do you think he'd want to come on the pod and, and have this conversation with us? Maybe. He's been known to hop on. I wore my hat very tight on my head, though. So good luck. <laughs> Just challenging Javon Pinlaw. No. I would, dude. Oh my God. He would snap me in half. He I is would, a very large bro, human. I won't pick fights with anybody. Anybody, nobody. I would win zero. The list of people that would beat me in a fight is all the people, like <laughs> every person. And at the top of that list would be like every NFL defensive lineman, much less one that's in the best shape of his life. So yeah, I'm out. Javon, you don't, Kinlaw, want, you don't right? want any Javon Kinlaw smoke, huh? I want no smoke. <laughs> Pass on the smoke. I do edibles. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Damn Again, right I'm not concerned about Javon Kinlaw's knee. I'm just paying attention to how much he's practicing. That's fair. All right. I personally think he's going to have a good year for the 49ers. Good I luck, think so, too. Chris. I think so, too. Um, your phone's blowing up. You should probably go. It is. I am a popular person today, I got to tell you. It's the, fam- it's the family group chat. A funny oh. video of me at a Super Bowl party a few years ago resurfaced. And- oh, blowing up the phone today i'm hilarious all right we'll see you guys goodbye have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals no well now you have i'm kat mother of three and founder of ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.